Welcome to another episode of the Luxury Weekly. I summarize the 10 most important news of the luxury industry for the week of March 1st, 2021. My objective with this weekly recap is to keep you updated on what's happening in the luxury industry, but also to share innovative ideas and trends which might inspire you for your own business. I wanted to dedicate the first segment to highlighting some initiatives announced during Black History Month, which ran throughout the month of February. At a time when demand for equality, racial and social justice run high, and in the wake of last summer's nationwide protests, a lot of companies in the luxury industry have been called out for their lack of diversity, inclusion and lack of concrete actions towards changing that. Throughout the months of February, the entire luxury ecosystem showed their support for the black indigenous people of color, one way or the other, through partnerships, talks, collaborations, product launches, brand incubation, content or donations. It shows that the industry was going in the right direction, but the question remains to see if this marks the beginning of profound structural changes that go beyond what some might perceive as high-visibility, low-impact marketing stunts. Along these lines, the New York Times actually reached out to a wide array of companies in the industry asking to answer a set of questions about their progress on the representation of black employees in executive positions as well as diversity and inclusion measures. The list of companies includes 64 fashion brands with more than $50 million in revenue and an Instagram following of more than 1 million. It also includes 15 major department stores and online sellers and fashion magazines. Only four of the 64 fashion brands answered. Tory Burch, Coach, Kate Spade and Christian Siriano. Others, including Tom Brown, Burberry and Calvin Klein, answered at least half of the questions. Many European brands stated that they couldn't report diversity figures due to legal constraints. The majority of the retailers declined to respond or ignored the request. This is a good indicator of where the industry stands. There is a strong understanding that this conversation needs to happen, and it's happening, but real changes will take longer to come into effect. Accountability and transparency are prerequisite to DNI commitments becoming a reality. On this particular point, I wanted to highlight a very recent initiative coming from Estee Lauder with the creation of a new division in charge of overseeing its progress on a long list of diversity promises that the group recently published. The new group is called Equity and Engagement Center of Excellence, and its objective is obviously to make sure that the group delivers on these commitments, such as increasing black employment and requiring diversity in executive positions. With more than 48,000 employees, Estee Lauder plays a large role in moving the industry on the right path. Just like LVMH does, and they have created an inclusion index back in 2018, Caring was most recently named the best place to work for the LGBT community by the Human Rights Campaign. These are just a few examples of countless measures taken throughout the industry to improve the situation. I also wanted to highlight the 15% pledge. As a reminder, it was founded in the wake of George Floyd's killing by Aurora James, who is the designer and founder of the brand Brother Velis. Companies which join the pledge commit to dedicating 15% of their shelf space to black-owned companies. Many retailers have signed the pledge. Sephora was the first to sign, and others quickly followed, such as Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Blue Mercury or Gap, to name just a few. Sephora is also extending its commitment to help overlooked brands reach long-term growth by including eight new BIPOC-owned brands to its startup accelerator program. 
Another recent initiative came from Stitch Fix, which partnered with Harlem's Fashion Row to create a grant program last year to support Black-owned brands via mentorship and wholesale orders from Stitch Fix. Ulta will invest $20 million in media spent to create more personal connections with Latinx, Black and other communities, as well as commit to carry more Black-owned brands. Ulta also named Tracy Ellis Ross as DNI advisor. These are just a few examples among countless other measures put in place by companies throughout the industry, showing that they are putting money behind making things right. But as the New York Times article shows, there is still a long way to go. This segment would not be complete without mentioning the strong rise in racial crimes against the Asian-American Pacific Islander community. The non-profit organization Stop AAPI Hate has been very active on this front and many brands or groups are supporting this cause to fight anti-Asian sentiment and crimes. 4. The French resale platform Vestia Collective announced this week a 178 million euro financing round valuing the company at over a billion euro and making it the 11th French unicorn. The pool of investors include Kering, which took a 5% stake, as well as Tiger Global or Euraseo. As a reminder, the resale market is booming and expected to reach $60 billion by 2025. Just like many other online platforms, Vestiar Collective's business accelerated throughout the pandemic and they actually reported that their transactions on their websites doubled in 2020. Luxury brands are starting to tap into the second-hand economy after ignoring it for years. This economy is built on the brand's equity and it's only natural that they would want to capture shares of that market. It also represents an opportunity to capture a certain clientele which can remain within the brand's ecosystem and ultimately be converted to first-hand products later on. 5. Ralph Lauren launched a rental subscription service. Called the Lauren Look, the service costs $125 per month and allows users to rent looks from the most recent Ralph Lauren collections. Products can either be returned to receive new garments or purchased at a special member's price. Users can also receive styling tips from Ralph Lauren's in-house experts. Once a piece of clothing has reached its rental capacity, it will be donated to Donating Good, a non-profit organization which provides clothes to families in need. Along similar lines, DVF announced this week that it would be shutting down its rental service, formerly called DVF Link. Without giving an explanation for this decision, DVF's executives mentioned that the brand still has a large presence on Rent the Runway. 6. Three interesting news around sustainability. First of all, L'Oréal expanded its mandate to develop eco-friendly products by adopting a green sciences approach to research and innovation. It will also increase transparency around formula ingredients. By 2030, the French beauty giant committed to have 95% of its ingredients coming from renewable plant sources, minerals, or circular processes. Along similar lines, Sephora is making a push for clean color cosmetics by adding five new brands to this category, bringing the total to 16 clean brands. The new additions are Westman Atelier, Merit, Say, Lys, and Freck. Finally, Stella McCartney opened a pop-up store at Bloomingdale's flagship store in New York. The installation focuses on sustainable products, not only from the designer, but also from other conscious brands. It's a way to showcase all sorts of new materials and technologies, such as vegan vegetable coating or recycled lining from ocean plastics. Each item is vegan and PVC-free. 
7. German fashion label Jill Sander was acquired by the Italian group Only the Brave, which also owns Diesel, Marni and Maison Margiela, amongst others. Founded in 1968 in Germany by Jill Sander, the eponymous label was first acquired by Prada in the 90s before being sold to a Japanese conglomerate in 2008. OTB is taking full ownership now. Jill Sander's fashion house is known for its minimalist approach to fashion and the industry has praised the work of its new creative direction since the appointment of designers Lucy and Luke Mayer in 2017. 8. The acquisition spree continues. In beauty, the 35-year-old skincare brand Evlom was acquired by Chinese beauty company Yatsen. Before this transaction, Evlom was owned by Manzanita Capital, which also owns Byredo, Diptyque, Malin Goods, Kevin O'Quinn, Space K, and Suzanne Kaufman. While details of the transaction are not known, it's rumored that Evlom might be valued at $200 million. Yatsen is a Chinese company founded in 2016, which is rapidly growing a portfolio of beauty brands, either by acquisition or in-house development. It's dubbed the Chinese L'Oréal and now has more than 200 brick-and-mortar stores in China. It recently IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange and raised $600 million. One of their homegrown brands is called Perfect Diary, and it quickly became a beauty giant and reached unicorn status. 9. Finally, Still on the M&A front, Brazilian beauty brand Costa Brazil was acquired for an undisclosed amount by the Brazilian biotech manufacturer Amiris. Francisco Costa, founder of the brand, will become Amiris' new chief creative officer. On the fashion side, shirt maker Pink was acquired by Nick Preston, an executive who worked at JD Sports and House of Fraser before that. As a reminder, the brand formerly known as Thomas Pink has been owned by LVMH since 1999, but despite being relaunched two years ago under a new executive team and new creative direction, LVMH announced last December that it was shutting down operations. Interestingly enough, the acquisition includes only the intellectual property, it doesn't include the stores or e-commerce website. 10. Spanish department store El Corte Ingles plans a restructuration which might cost at least 3,000 jobs. Founded in Madrid in 1940, it is one of Spain's largest employers with more than 63,000 employees. It was hit really hard during COVID with a loss of more than 510 million euros in the first months of the pandemic. The group explained that restructuring was necessary to better align with the consequences of the pandemic and the shift to online sales. That's it for this week. Don't forget that you can access the transcript of this episode on the website, theluxuryweekly.com. Stay tuned and see you next week.